Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 Absolutely brilliant. Culture Fear. That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? Hello, welcome to episode 16 of Culture Fear, and I'm your host, Sean. Um, our guest today is John of Banquet Records. Um, I first came across the shop at about 14 years old. I remember I was uh, sat in form uh, with a kid uh, a few years older than me, and he was talking about um, this record shop down the road from where we lived, having Jamie T play. Um, and I was just like, a record shop in Kingston that had... One of the, at the time, one of my favourite artists. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. At the time, I was just buying all of my CDs um, from Banquet Records. No, sorry, from HMV. Um, so obviously, I was like, <laughs> next IT lesson, like googling Banquet uh, Kingston, um, Jamie T, and then managed to find find the shop and um, go in. And I guess it was really a huge, huge introduction to like so much music that I um, listened to then, still listen to now. Um, introduced me to like friends that was, um, I've still got to this day. Um, and I guess Banquet was um, a huge part of um, my the first like quote unquote scene that I was part of myself um, in Kingston. You know, it wasn't just Banquet that did shows, but it was a huge part of that. Um, and it was thriving at the time. It was like a really amazing place, really, for me to to come up. Um, and I even um, worked. Well, I'd later work um, doing um, sorting out the shows for them. But uh, from the age of about 15, for about a year or two, I held a sign in the middle of the uh, the town pointing to where the shop was, and um, I'd get paid in records, um, which was obviously great. And yeah so many of them I'm looking at now in my living room um, yeah so um, yeah it was nice to sit down with John <coughs> someone that I've said I've known for over a decade now um, yeah so and it was nice to hear how he got into music um, the stuff he does now like he's a council, he's a local councillor um, it's just interesting because he comes from like a totally different place thought process to me on how you know I've never wanted my love of music to be anything more than a hobby he really took um, the ball by the horns and like he does it every single day of his life it's um, it's wild it's great um, yeah but we also got into deeper stuff I wanted to ask him about how he felt about some shows that he um, he's put on over the last few years that there's been like a backlash for due to members of the bands being like alleged abusers um, yeah and I thought that was an important thing to ask because um, you know it is it's, a, it's quite a time from that and um, it you know and like speaking to him it sounds like something that he's really thought about and I think that our thought processes change over time um, so I wanted to hear about you know not would you do that differently but would you do a situation similar now differently because um, you know I don't think you know you can't dwell on what you've done you can only change what you do in the future really um, and you know his stance on it isn't mine it's not the same as mine but obviously I don't do the things he does so I don't my stance is <laughs> just in my like how I would do things in my perfect world um but yeah, I was glad to hear his thoughts um, because the last thing I really saw of his about it was like a blog post around the time. And like I said, I guess that was a reaction to it without like, you know, time to really think about it. And <clears throat> sometimes the written word can be um, emotionless and you don't really, you know, I wanted to hear what he had to say as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, the conversation like that piece of it and a lot more is interesting to you um 
Yeah, it was um, recorded in a uh, next to the the main shop. They've got a another room, another shop, I guess that they um, that they have. It was in there, um, and you will hear like people come in and out. Um, halfway through the com- the part of the conversation I was just talking about, we did have to pause because there was a delivery. Um, I left it in because it felt like it didn't waste loads of time, and it was just like naturally how it happened. Um, yeah, and I want to say a huge thanks as well. The room wasn't the best for acoustics, so I just want to say a huge thanks to Liam, um, who really like went above and beyond um, mixing this down. Um, you can find him at Liam C Audio on Twitter. He really he does everything. He does so much for this podcast. Um, yeah, so check him out if you have any like f- if you want to do a podcast or if you need anything mixing down or anything like that. Um, yeah, so thank you, Liam. Um, we have no outro on this, so I just want to say, if you like the um, the podcast, please, I don't know, tell a friend, review, post about it. It's nice um, to hear people, like um, just last week, someone like um, got in touch and said they really enjoyed the podcast. That's cool, uh, wild, really. And it's always nice to hear how people come across it. Um, today, I'm on my way to Bristol for the weekend. And I'll be talking to two pals down there, which I'd imagine will be the next two episodes. Um, so that'll be interesting. But yeah, um, I hope the conversation's interesting that you're about to hear. Take care of yourself and I will speak to you soon. Bye. Cool. Hey, John, how are you? Hello, Sean. Uh, I'm good. Welcome back to Banquet. <laughs> Cheers. You okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm great. Yeah, good, thank you. Um, what have you been up to, really? Today, or in life, or in the last few months, or um, what? Yeah, give us a little rough okay. s- summation. So, so I work at and run Banquet Records in <laughs> Kingston, so we are a high street retail shop, uh, which means that we've just come out of Christmas uh, and into the new year, so things are a little bit quiet at the moment, so it's a good time to do a bit of housekeeping, we're supposed to do a stock take, stuff like that. Uh, just had a few days off, went to Amsterdam over New Year's Eve, which was quite fun, um, yeah, and that's that's it's been a bit chilled and un- unusually so. But um, my other job is I'm a counsellor, and council work has just got back to normal this week, and it's a bit like going back to school. It's all going back to uh, the the office and the emails and the inevitable d- backlog of work that everyone has to do. Yeah, yeah. Do you get to go? Do you get to go away often? Like when was last no, time you I, flew or however you got? No, to I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. It's not. I'm I'm, I'm very time poor. So it's not so much it, um, not being able to afford the money to go away, it's not just the time. There's always something that has to be done for the council or for the shop or for the club night or, you know, just general commitments. So I, I don't often get time off, but um, well, I wasn't working New Year's Eve for the first time in 12 years, so I, I did take some time off. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's good to see different cultures, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that, amazing. Um, like... Um I guess we'll go back. Um, so you're like from like Kingston Postcode, Kingston. Yeah, uh, born, uh, born and grew up in Chessington. Uh, went to school in Kingston. Uh, went to university for three years. Uh, came back and then didn't leave Kingston again. Yeah, yeah. So what was um, like? What was the childhood like? Like what was your like? What was you into or like? Yeah. yeah I, so I guess I got into music quite quite old, really. Um, it was only when I sort of went into sixth form that I discovered these different subcultures and cultures of music. Before that, I was just quite happy watching football um, and just plodding along, really. Um, it was when when we went into sixth form, I discovered um, indie pop and bands like Blur and Sleeper. I don't know why those, those are the ones that come to mind. But um found that there's a, a music scene, which I sort of found really exciting uh, saw local bands at like the Grey Horse and Heathen House and saw that there was uh, live music which worked completely differently from the things that I was reading about in the NME or Melody Maker at the time yeah. um, and it was it was that which kind of made me investigate other things which were going on and so from from un- from finding out about indie and indie rock then find out about American punk rock bands and then find out about UK punk rock bands. And it was like a sort of a really exciting learning experience, which back then, 20 plus years ago, you couldn't, you didn't have it all at your fingertips yeah. on, on a stream, on, on a device in your pocket. You had to really properly investigate and, and hubs like Beggar's Banquet, as it was then, were sort of a, a whole learning experience. Yeah, 
Yeah. Was so was Kingston a good place for that, or is that getting the train up to London? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was both. Uh, so th- I, I think at that point we we didn't have the bigger venues for so the the kind of the 1975 of then wasn't able to play in Kingston because there wasn't a big venue in Kingston, but there was always smaller uh, punk rock and DIY shows going on. A lot of that was from Mark and Jane, who used to work at Beggar's Banquet back then. So bands like uh, Jetpack, who turned into 100 Reasons in the end, uh, A, Cable, you know, bands like that were playing in and around Kingston, and and that was an exciting time. The the Peel, the Gravity All Dayers, um, where all the bands from the DIY punk scene of the world it seemed came came to play Kingston yeah um but yeah at the same time we were going to to see to see bands in London of course yeah 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 so um yes yeah, perfect to able yeah like the local and then obviously you still but were you going to um would you go and see like a concert before that like real um like understanding of like there's more to this than you know getting into blur and then realizing there's even more mm-hmm. um like as a like 14 year old was it or was it just like you weren't into music per se before yeah then? i mean I, I think i got into music a bit late, well way later than, than 14 years it was more like it was kind of 17 18 when, yeah. when i sort of really realized that there was stuff you could do and i guess as soon as i learned to drive opened up a lot more places going to coco um on a Tuesday night, I think it was, uh, to see like all, all these bands like Smash and Populate itself and stuff like that, which had a, a real kind of political edge, censor, um, bands like that who were trying to give a message with, with their music. Yeah. Whilst also, uh, looking back, being some of the first bands to mix up dance and rock, yeah. which, we, which now is quite commonplace, but I, I don't think it was, was so much then. Um, so yeah, I think it was... I think it was a really exciting time because you would you would pick up on things which weren't quite in the the only way you could find out about music, which would be the magazines or maybe on MTV or something like that. But when you found out about subcultures beneath that um, bubbling around, and you had to, you really felt like a, you were a part of it. You, yeah. you, you had to work for it, you, and then you discovered it, and then then you and the friends that you met in this place, you felt like a, a real alternative part of something fresh and exciting and new and you know now and and there's a lot of positives about how how people can pick up on things and trends really quickly but i think back then you saw the person with the 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 keychain and you knew knew what kind of music they were (laughs) you know you knew that they were cool and they were going to be a skateboarder you know that that kind of thing um and and i think there's a lot more like of a need to identify yourself to a group than than what I think is there now, but you know, I'm a forty-something. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is interesting seeing that. Um, like, yeah, when you're, yeah, when you realise, like, oh, maybe it is just a bit different, and you're not like. I guess I got that when um, I was like, oh, when am I gonna like stop really like? When am I gonna hear something that I'm like, wow? And then um, kind of heard some of it is obviously great because it's like, but some like all of the um, like emo rap or the like. Um, SoundCloud rap was like, wow, okay, I guess it's uh, finally my time to be like, I don't understand this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I remember. I remember going to a Hot Walk Music concert once. A concert sounds a lot bigger than it was. Uh, just a gig. I yeah. think it's the Underworld. I can't remember. But I went there because I, some of the some of the guys I thought were quite cool wore Hot Water Music T-shirts. Yeah. So I sort of wanted to see what the, the thing was about, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like, oh my God, that guy's so cool, but like, hey, that guy, I know he likes good music, I know he seems like a nice guy, and he's always banging on, I'm going to check this band out, because you couldn't have heard them online. Yeah, you know? it yeah, just yeah, didn't, yeah. It didn't exist. You, you may have bought the import CD for 18 quid, if, if that's what you wanted to at that time. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't really... It was a more a more exciting, interesting way of finding out about things, and 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 for all the good ones, there was a lot of stinkers where you, you ended up like just <laughs> at something that you didn't really want to be a part of as well. Yeah. Um, so when you like you said you went to university, was it kind of like um, you know you started finding this 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 thing that you're really enjoying, and then it was like ripped away, or was you able to carry on? No, I think I think university sort of made a a, a sort of big part of who I am today, but not 
not in the way that people would imagine. Um, Loughborough, which is the university I went to, had very little to do musically. It had quite a, quite a decent record shop, but there weren't many any gigs apart yeah. from what the student union put on which was like quite kind of i think simply red played there and lighthouse <laughs> family do you know what i mean it wasn't like yeah. stuff that yeah. I, I associate with now um and uh, the indie night didn't really exist and so it was from having a lack of things going on which made me have to put on things so i started djing at the indie night uh, and made it into the kind of indie night that i wanted it to be yeah. um got involved with the Alternative Music Society, as it was, which a lot of that was about putting on uh, coaches or, or minibuses or covering, oh, okay. covering trains to, to go to gigs in Leicester and Nottingham and Derby, which were, had thriving scenes yeah, at that yeah. time. So that might be the, the Charlotte in Leicester or Rock City in, in Nottingham. And so there, there was music in it. It was about trying to facilitate it for other people, including myself. So... It, it was the lack of the lack of a music of a yeah. thriving music scene. If it doesn't exist, you have to create it, or uh, not create, but you know, do do yeah. your bit. Um, and then I came back from university, and Mark and Jane, who were at the time working at Beggars Banquet, um, I was already DJing at that point. Do you know what I mean? Like I knew yeah. what I was doing a little bit, helping them out on the shows, and found it was quite. Uh, it, it was really rewarding to be a part of what they were doing at that point. Yeah. Yeah, so that so then was that like coming back for summers or was that like when you moved? Yeah, so yeah. did you move? Like you weren't staying in Loughborough. So, no, I, I, stayed, I went to Loughborough. No, I never wanted to stay there. I did. I did. I did. What at the time I was doing just just because it was an easy degree. So I thought uh, in in retail management. Okay. Didn't really think I'd end up <laughs> running a shop. Um, and then left university, came back, worked at the Peel for a bit which meant I could just go skateboarding during the day and work at the Peel at night. Yeah. That was quite a, a fun way to live my life. And then started working part-time at the record shop two days a week um, and didn't at any point decide that, oh, I'm going to do this forever, but I never left. And, and then the opportunity came up to sort of take over the shop, and, and we did, and that's when things changed permanently. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I guess when you took over, how... how I don't know, it's maybe too much of a broad question, but, and I think maybe there's like, prob is there different chapters of Banquet Records from when you, like, I guess there's before you, when you worked at Beggar's Banquet to taking over and as Banquet yeah. Records, but is there like different eras for you as well moving on from there? Yeah, so I mean, I mean it was a long time ago that we took over what was a failing business and bought it for like a, a few hundred quid and uh, took on the debts, uh, a, a shop which at the time was, struggling i mean i hadn't been paid my wages for nine months you know it was, it was a really bad time um when we took it over it was very much we it was the people who uh it felt like a myself mike and bud who no longer works here but we we were the people who were doing the work and we were trying to create keep this thing yeah. going which was about to die but we knew that we could do what we wanted to to keep it going in a different way we were all very aware that the gigs that were happening at the Peel and at Backers happened because of that little dingy dark record shop. You know? yeah. um, so there was a point where we took it over and then it was us. But then after that, there was certainly sort of developments or kind of um, milestones along the route to being a, a different kind of business that, that we are today. Um, it's not just a labour of love. It's people's jobs and it's people's yeah. careers now. And there's only so long you can... You can do this before you need to think about, you know, mortgages and babies and pensions. You know, there's only yeah, there's yeah, only yeah. so so long where you can you can just live this day day to day life, and you have to think a bit differently. Um, but certainly, in the first kind of, I guess five years or so, when Dave House was working with us, and he's 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 the most him and Gary are the two most genius like people that I've ever known. They're both. <laughs> incredibly clever people who see who see the world in a different way and having someone who loved punk rock and was a genius yeah in the same place was was a, a really exciting thing to be around and i found that most of what i was trying to do was make dave's ideas happen okay. and and facilitate those um and at the same time doing like the indie night and putting the indie night making it a bit bigger and this coincided with um a time when 
uh, Indy Nights were all the rage. They're not anymore. Uh, clubbing isn't what it used to be, and indie, Indy's popularity isn't what it used to be. But sort of 10, 12 years ago, that was... Uh, you couldn't move for indie nights in London, yeah. and, and we sort of picked up a bit of that in Kingston, which is what created New Slang, our weekly indie night, which is now what has evolved into this night where the biggest bands in the country come to play. Yeah, yeah, and I guess I, I'm sure I could ask the same question about um, evolution and eras of New Slang, which, I mean, I, I, I would be a completely different, another podcast entirely, I'm sure. But um, that must have been, um, yeah, because... Like um, when I saw you a few weeks ago, I was talking about um, like yeah, ten ten years ago, eleven years ago was when I first walked through the doors of yep. um, Banquet Records, and um, you know I recently moved house, so I took all my records and was like going through my seven inches, and I'd yeah, have yeah. four seven inches of the same single with different artwork or with like um, you know, a different B side or a radio edit of an indie band that um like not many people would remember and maybe not that many people knew at the time but then we're being like we're being told well I guess the last few months we're being told the record store is over but like six months ago we're being or like when record store comes around we're being told vinyl is booming yeah where 10 years ago like why were we seeing so many seven inches of the same was is it like a lie that like what? How was it selling then? How different was I mean, it? I think there's two parts to answer that question. The, the, the reason why at that point you were buying so many singles, um, seven inches, where you could buy three formats for four quid, it was that kind of thing, wasn't it? Um, is because at that point the, the singles chart was just about physical releases. Yeah. So the, the the streaming and the MP3s weren't going into the singles chart. So to get a number one single, you had to buy it on CD or, or, or seven inch, which meant that. Um, even bands like uh, Oasis or Blur were putting out three versions of the seven inch to try and get that number one, you know, that kind of thing. Once the chart rules changed so that uh, MP3s and uh, streams went into it, it it changed completely because there was no need to make this physical, cumbersome, throwaway piece of plastic when you could just sell the the MP3, which at that point was the future. Everyone's going to just be downloading MP3s now we're all not really downloading M3s anywhere near as much. Right? Yeah, Everyone's yeah. moved on to streaming. So that's, that's why the bottom fell out of, that, of the singles market in that way. And now a seven-inch single was likely to be sort of seven or eight quid instead of a pound. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then the other question is about, is about the record shop and physical music, um, not just the physical product, but also how you buy it. And, and we've seen the problems that HMV has had recently. I don't think that's solely due to the music industry like every high street retailer is going through troubles at this point I, yeah. I'm sure there'll be another chain um, in, in, in real danger before January's out um, but I think that independent record shops are prob- the ones that are still here now are probably quite strong and I think we all, we all pick up on the idea that while it's not for everyone there's definitely a group of people who want physical music who yeah. want to own something who have an emotional connection with the record that that they feel is particularly special. So that, that culture exists and I don't think it's going to go away anywhere. All that we need to do is, as Banquet and, and a record shop is to facilitate and to allow people who want to pick up records to be able to do that. And then obviously we try and go the extra mile and, and give a bit of a, a better service. Some of the products we can get are better than you can find somewhere else. Sometimes it's expertise about being ahead of the game uh, we're sat in this room now surrounded by boxes but you can see hundreds of Billie Eilish records there we know Billie Eilish it's her year for 2019 yeah. so we've ordered a lot and we're going to sit on them for a bit and then when the demand comes I reckon May yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll have those records if we don't order them now we don't get them so it's about it's about that kind of thing knowing knowing what's going to come up and trying to sort out the music fan because we're, we're the music fan too it's yeah. quite an easy connection yeah 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 um so with like um is like the shows around kingston and that with with new slang is it about like getting the the billy eilish in may and like the 1975 is that like everyone jumping in on the train and back out or is 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 there like a devoted number of people that are like new slang how how does it work like that yeah um in recent times, it's, it's turned a lot more into there's a gig and people come and watch that band and then 
go on their way. Uh, apart from when it's bands who are very indie club night. So bands like Blossoms, Catfish, uh, Slaves, um, The Kooks. Yeah. Those bands, there'll be a crowd coming out to watch that band and, and then and then they'll stay for the night and, and have a dance. But partly from what I was saying earlier, I think I think people that what young how young people <laughs> that makes me sound yeah, like, yeah. like a granddad, doesn't it? <laughs> but how young people meet each other is completely different in 2019. You've met them online before you meet people in real life. You don't yeah. lots of people are turning away from alcohol. Lots of people are turning away from overpriced alcohol. So the actual and, and I'll always remember this, Sam, who works for us, um, he's one of our younger employees, he's a bit like, why would you get someone else to choose the music when you can, I can choose it myself? The, the actual concept of like having a, a DJ who's saying what songs to dance to, like maybe, maybe people don't want that anymore. Some people do, and I believe in clubbing. I think clubbing is, is, is brilliant, and yeah, I love it, yeah. and that's the same as with New Noise, which is our punk and emo nights. And I, I think it's the same for house nights, and I think it's the same for all types of, like, drum and bass, all types of music. I think there's something so pure about just losing yourself in music and dancing. Um, however, it's expensive, drinks are expensive, and some people don't want to go out like that, and some people want to, want to get up the next day and go to work without a hangover. So it, it has changed. That's a very long answer to your question. But, um, yeah, now, now, as the bands are getting bigger... That, that, that we put on it is a lot more people will people will travel people travelled across the sea to get to the 1975 so I'm not surprised yeah. that uh, they only go to that gig and then don't come back the next week <laughs> yeah yeah oh, um, brilliant so um, I guess from where like from my like ex- when I think when I think of like my experience like um, I was like very fortunate to grow up around Kingston and then like find my way um into like Banquet Records, which then opened my eyes to like numerous subcultures, and then obviously you kind of pick and choose the things that you that you in, enjoy. Um, and I think like probably most of the people that are listening to this will think of Kingston as like um, uh, like there was a time when um, with like um, like certain kinds of punk rock, like everything went through Kingston, yeah. and like regardless there'd, there'd be a London show and there'd be a Kingston show and you'd get people that go to both and you'd you'd get people from London travel just to the Kingston show yeah like um how do you remember those days I guess yeah I, I mean I think when when you were just walking through our doors for the first time it was one it was one of the glory eras which yeah. might never be repeated and um the that time of the still yeah, 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 yeah. I, I listened to that record like uh, all the way through the other day, and and just what a, what a time, what an exciting time that was, um, and yeah, there, there was it was something which I don't think there there wasn't ever a, a conscious decision to sort of to to play it down. Certainly, the pill going has been a bit of a problem. Um, there's only so much you can do at the Fighting Cocks at the moment, but those times back then, it felt like. Kingston was maybe maybe not ahead of the curve in, in, with the punters, but maybe ahead of the curve as far as promoters were going because we were just putting on the bands that people wanted to come and see, and yeah. maybe other promoters weren't taking that risk as much. Um, I, I, I don't know, but everything was passing through Kingston, and it seemed that the bands wanted to come and play Kingston because they heard it was cool, which meant that it became cool, yeah, which meant yeah. the next band passed through. Yeah. Um, that still happens to an extent, but I think on a purely sort of business black and red way, a lot of bands won't choose to play Kingston until their album is out because then they can get the benefit of doing the in-store, the benefit of the yeah, extra album yeah. sales. And if they're going to play Kingston, they'll play it the week the album's out. So, so something like Boston Manor, say, who I think are one of the most interesting UK new, new bands and smaller UK yeah. uh, rock they're not really pop punk are they like all rock bands we always wanted to do something with them right throughout 2018 because i think they're brilliant but let's just wait till the album's out let's let's do a let's yeah. do an install yeah. let's do a signing let's do let's do a show at backers which is way too small for them let's do this like silly underplay and just have a week have a, a sort of day of it's boston manor day and we're just pushing this one band so 
yeah those those days were brilliant a lot of it was was from dave um and a lot of it was just a, a sort of the stars aligning in a way that nobody chose it to stop but uh, i look back on those times and yeah, yeah. it's mad like even i guess I, I, newfound glory playing at the fine cox was like that happened just because set your goals were playing at the fine cox which happened just because set your goals wanted to come back to Kingston yeah. because well not just because Kingston. but I guess years in the making of yeah. M- like yeah having them, those experiences with mm. people being like oh like Kingston we yeah. like Kingston and it's like oh and they're continuously supporting yeah. us even when we're not around and that and that model still exists if you look at um, uh, the 1975 who are you know they're headlining Reading they're as, as big as it gets at the moment yeah. like they played they were always going to play Kingston this year um, because we've had a good relationship with them over the five yeah, or six yeah. years and I always keep saying that punk rock isn't a, a music it's a lifestyle and I think that DIY in that sense isn't just about a, a sort of a, a, a particular clique or a scene there's a lot of ways that you can get on with something and nurture something and that that can be in music and different types of music and yeah. the skate community bookshops and all of these things um, but yeah so it's about looking after bands and relationships and managers and labels not not solely because you can see the the, the the till ringing at the end of it but just because it's the right thing to do like yeah just, just a, a, an obvious human thing to do to look after people who bring joy to people yeah yeah and i guess um even um i guess that kingston like punk scene like early tens late noughties was like um i guess it was like yeah organic like you're saying like there there were obviously still huge aspects of it like being organic but like with like um i think it has changed a lot like american but you know i don't think a lot of america american pans that can pull don't come to britain without a booking agent Mm -hmm. where like maybe um back then it would like a uk band would be oh do you want to come over yeah we'll book it all and it's just and i think that and obviously yeah and i think that um like slightly separate from that point like diy has changed in what people call diy what people like call like that call themselves or they call other things diy i guess Uh, people's interpretations of it it's like just changed like and i think i'm sure people were saying that 10 years ago about like who were around 10 years before that and i guess it comes in circles as well i'm sure that you see so like like how often do you book things directly through a band yeah very rarely uh, i mean it's not to say we don't but yeah. very rarely and and part of that is because at, at a certain level, like what we what we don't want to do ever is to have like a monopoly on, on putting on gigs in Kingston. So there's there's some there's some bands who will like the busier I get, the older I get, the more it's not just a labour of love, and I have to pay people. And like, yeah. you know, putting on gigs, I pay my staff, and it goes through the books, and you have to pay the tax, and you have to pay for public liability insurance, and all of this stuff. Yeah. Where back in the day, I was just like had a a cash till and if the gig went well I gave it to the band and if the gig went bad I, I, I didn't know how I was going to eat the next week and you know when we were talking about putting when we used to put on light year like every three months and cap down every every six months or whatever like those those gigs were bloody great but that was all I did that was my hobby you know yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was what yeah. I, and it was easy for me to get friends along because I was younger and mixing with those people yeah. where now I spend a lot of my time in an office instructing people what to do so there, yeah. there, is, there is a bit of that and so i don't know if there's a there, there may well be this this different kind of subculture which is happening which which we're not really as aware of like i'm sure that when dubstep from out of nowhere was the biggest music in the world for like six months wasn't it yeah. uh, and then then there was a house thing and maybe there'll be another kind of younger person's music subgenre um but yeah, now now we're we're a business which turns over two million pounds a year, and there's only so many DIY yeah. contacts you can do yeah, because you're you're doing all these other huge yeah. well and, and like as you're saying, I'm thinking well, like like you're saying that I'm sure that is happening, but elsewhere, so it's not, um, and it is happening. So they, it's like 
I don't know the right way to say it, but they don't necessarily need banquet records or yeah, Kingston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, especially because yeah. there's less of that. Um, you know, bands came through Kingston because they knew the show was going to be great. Yeah. Of that ilk. So bands of that ilk or a different ilk where there's not that scene in Kingston, yeah. why would they go through Kingston when they can play in London? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly like if you're here for a, a, a week, if you're in the UK for a week, then... Uh, you're going to play London, Manchester, Glasgow, and, and why should you play London and, and Kingston? There's got to be a, a yeah. bloody good reason. But sometimes it sometimes it does happen. And like even even last year, you look back at like the Bronx playing the Fighting Cocks. That was yeah. like one of the standout gigs of the year, definitely. Um, but it's quite it's quite hard to make make them do that when there's a, a city of millions mm. half an hour down the road. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, was so? Do you think? Was there a, ever a conscious decision where you had to think, right, like you've said, like these are people's like careers and their, their jobs. Things do need to start changing. And I can see that everything's kind of changing a bit, like, like you said, with the digital. And that. Was there a conscious decision? Um, no, and I don't, think, I don't think there needs to be. I think that one thing that independent businesses can do, which should change and the corporates find hard to do, is we can adapt to what is in front of us. Yeah. So... It wasn't like we had a, a, a five-year plan of this is what we want to do. We always wanted to make the website better, um, and it, and it is better. When this place, this room we're sitting in now, which we use as a kind of um, storage space and, and gig space, it was it wasn't like we ever planned to take it over. It's just the Korean restaurant which was here went bust, yeah. and we we started renting it for a few months, and that's as far as it went. We, n- none of us could have predicted how the vinyl. Uh, revival would have come around and how vinyl is at a 25 year high you know no no one was predicting that no one was predicting um, Virgin Megastore was going to end no no one well a few few years ago HMV getting in trouble then was a surprise I think we just do what we do and as certainly myself Mike and Jane who've all been here for over a decade we, we we you know we've got got mortgages and uh, yeah. commitments and stuff like that I don't think anyone but I don't think that takes away from any of the commitment to put on events for music fans yeah. even if they're not, it's not the music that I like and it's always been like that with Banquet it's, all, it's always been trying to facilitate music events for people um, you know that meme which existed probably like five six years ago where it's like my friends think I do this, my mum thinks oh, I do yeah, this. My, yeah. My, yeah. It, it's that kind of thing. To some people, we are the, the record shop which puts on the Wonder Years and Tiny Moving Parts and stuff. Yeah. And so some people, we're the record shop who loves the 1975. To some people, we're the record shop who puts on like Orbital or, yeah. or, or DJ Vadim and stuff. And, it's, and so it's cool that people have their own um, interpretation or perception of, of what we are, but we do try to be a lot of things to different people. But the, the common theme is facilitating music events yeah. and, and because we all have that, that experience and that, that passion and that, that drive, which is, which is just enjoying music, yeah. however that is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, um, I guess, talking about, like, the drive for enjoying music, like, I know, um, like, I've spoke to you at times where it's been, like... Um, it's a hard one for me to even like. I don't know the words to put it in, really. Um, so, so you might not, but like, um, like with like certain bands, there's been like backlashes when you've put on certain bands. I don't think bands need to be named because I think okay. people yeah, listening yeah. aware of them. You don't need to like um, like platform the names of the bands anymore. But like, I remember um, where there was. Um, Speaking to you after one, you said like, or on it was on, it was the evening of, and you're surprised by the response, but you, um, uh, but then and you said, well, we had spoken about this as like a team mm. at Banquet Records, and like about it, and we are like, and I'm not, I don't regret doing it because we'd spoken about it, and that was the choice. Mm. But do you, has has your thoughts changed on the whole situation as a whole? Yeah. Okay. So there's, I mean, there's actually the more you get involved this could be a, a few bands actually and that's one of the problems and I think one one thing we got wrong was out of pure ignorance not being aware of something and then and then at a point when something was announced and out there 
for you to come back and then publicly uh, pick a side is, is a, a thing which is damaging. Now, not necessarily, in fact, no, no way as damaging as to any victim in that case. Um, it was a really weird position and maybe some things were wrong. Uh, but the, the, where, the one where we're talking about where it was a group decision to do something, I don't know. I, 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 it, could be, it could be that we, we got it all wrong and it could be that we, we, we misunderstood um, the nuances of the conversation. There was a, there was a, a very real um, consideration about not, not, not being trialled by, by media. And that was a, a, very, a, a very conscious decision that we, we chose to do. Um, and not, not just men doing this in, in our business. Um, and you'll never, we'll, we'll never know if that was right. Um, and I'll never know if it was wrong. Uh, and I, 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 just, I just don't really know. And a lot of these things, they're not comfortable. And, and it would have been, it, the easiest thing would have been not to do these, these gigs and events. Um, but I think at the point where you're not doing them, you need to come out and say why you're not doing them. Yeah. And I didn't feel comfortable coming out and saying why we wouldn't do something when it wasn't my personal belief okay. that, yeah. that it, it was black and white, we shouldn't. So when, when something's all in place and it's these agents that we deal with all the time and it's these labels that we deal with all the time, you need to be very, very sure of what, what you're doing is the right thing. Um, I don't know, I don't know if, if we got that right. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening will think we got it wrong. Um, it didn't come from a, a position of we don't give a shit. It came from the position of we are not the people to make this decision. And I, 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 believe, I believe in the right to protest and I believe in the right for people to make those opinions utterly clear. And there's the phrase believe all victims is a phrase that I hadn't heard of until I was being called a, a rape apologist. And that was like a, a really hard thing to, to take yeah. um, if you're not aware of some of the, the sort of nuance and, and, and issues with it. But I don't know. I, we, we did a lot of soul searching. We did a lot of conversations. Um, I think we've learned a lot of things. Um, we do try and be ethical. We do try and be responsible. I think, there's, I think there's something to be said for not being the judge and the jury, though. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I could argue it both ways. But in the end, we went with what we as a business and majority thought. Maybe, maybe that, that was wrong. I don't know. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is very real. If you're listening to this, this is a very real um, self-doubt and looking back and, in the broad light of day. And, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's the end yeah, of that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know is, the, yeah. is the, the sole response. Yeah, but I guess it sounds like, um, like, a, a, and I don't know, but like a, a, a huge thought process that everyone that is, was part of the, the original thought process has had and it's a continuing one, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate this idea of uh, what aboutery, you know, and that, that, is, that is a stupid thing. But we took the we took the view that if we don't if if we make a moral stand on on this on something where we weren't particularly knowledgeable of, of the facts, particularly as the first one we did, there was no conversation about it particularly, uh, and then we just got these accusations thrown at us uh, for something which we were just ignorant of. Other ones since that, perhaps we should have known better. Um, it just, I didn't want to set a precedent that when this happens, we do this. Because I think that that, we, we, we've, seen, we've seen people that we know in real life have 
it have the, the, the repercussions of it being the other way around and, uh, and the, the, the damage that does. I mean, it's, it's a fucked situation and I, I don't know. I, I would like to think that we would, we would try and help people uh, where, where people require help and not want to platform people who shouldn't have a platform. It's just the, the choice of, of, of making that decision that I've, I've always thought isn't one that we, we are there to make. But maybe, that, maybe that's wrong. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a. Yeah, it's. it's I guess, and it's obviously everyone has different opinions. In, um, I mean, even down to, um, like, you're a counsellor. Mm-hmm. You place a lot. I'm sure you place a lot more. I, I don't know if this is. Uh, this, you know, it's, it's hard. To, I don't know if this is like right to put in place of like in this conversation, but you clearly put a lot more um, into like uh, just the legal, like how the yeah. how Britain works. And, is a- and, it, and it's, actually, it's actually interesting because the, 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 if I learn anything, it's that what we talk about here and, and, and how we, we talk about um, not only this issue, but also um, uh, trans rights. For example, okay. I think the rest of society isn't isn't there yet. They're not ready for that that conversation. And I had direct I had conversations with legal people and with um, people who in, in the council who look after uh, children's services and vulnerable people. And to everybody was like, well, you can't not do it for that reason. That was the that was the conversation. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, might have to pause this for a minute, Sean, because yeah. they're, they're coming through. And we're back. The post has, has been and gone. Um, yeah, so I think there was two. There's two things about that. One is that every legal person and every council person that I spoke to about it, and I did, yeah. and um, was just well. There's no reason not to do it. You can't do it. You can't do it not for that. And I thought yeah. it was quite interesting that that group of people weren't weren't up to speed with the kind of nuance of. The, the issues that we were talking about, but the other the other point was that whilst I, I found it very very hard to go against a group line, a group a group of people who said we should do something for this reason, and I find it whilst I am the boss and the buck stops with me and it's ultimately my responsibility, I don't want to I don't think it's just about my input, and and we as a group of people went along in, in, in good faith with something that didn't sit uh, to, didn't make us feel like we couldn't sleep at night. Yeah. There were some things that we weren't comfortable with and there are every, every day, yeah. to be honest, like in every part of business and every part of life. And like, I, I lose a lot more sleep about um, the cuts that we have to make at council. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't need to sleep actually, but like you know, the, the the worry, the worry about these things is there's worry every day. That wasn't the thing which which um, was something that we we found intolerable, uh, particularly when there's relationships which we have. Um, with labels and managers and, and what have you. And maybe if we didn't have those relationships, we might f- see things differently. But one thing that is never said in this conversation is, is the stuff that we don't do and the stuff that we, every, every, every month, there's things that we're turning down because we don't agree with this person's position on this and we're not going to do that because of this. Um, and, and that could be some, some artists that other people don't find reprehensible. You know, and it, it could be, uh, it could be, I, I don't know how I, I, I genuinely don't know how I feel about uh, artists who've been to prison for knife crime, for example, okay. uh, and and artists who have blatantly misogynistic lyrics yeah. as part of their songs. But but it's 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 okay because it's a different type of music. I I, I don't know that it is, and and. I don't know. I find this this issue fascinating, and I could talk about it forever. Well, I can listen to people talk about it yeah, forever, yeah, but yeah. I don't really feel I can articulate the the actual the rights and wrongs of it because I don't I don't know what they are, and 
we just keep doing what we're doing uh, and hope that if we fuck up and, and we will from time to time that people can see it's not a, a malicious uh, how can we make money off abusers it, it, you know that's never been a kind of a, a conversation that we've had yeah uh, and there's like I say there's, there's things that we don't do uh, things that we choose not to do and there's been one one this week where it's just just not worth not worth the shit of, of this artist who I think is, is um, sketchy at best yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, well, thanks, because, I mean, um, obviously at the time with, like, some of it, um, like, you responded, whether it's, like, smaller tweets, and then I know that you've, like, spoken, like, you've, like, written up on, like, the blog. Um, I just thought, uh, yeah. No, a bit no, later uh, on. I, I, I kind of, I, I, I rate that you're bringing it up because people don't, uh, and it's a conversation, that, uh, and we've learned lots uh, in over the years about this. Um, and it's funny, uh, it's not funny, that's a bad choice of words. The irony is that people are always thinking that we do this because we want to make money out of the bands yeah. involved. And nearly all the time, because of the backlash and because of the kind of um, the, the calling out, right, rightly so from these people who do that, I think they're absolutely, if you believe it, you should do it, absolutely. All those gigs lose money. And sometimes we, we know that we're going to lose money doing those gigs. But it's interesting that Banquet gets, and I, th- I think it's a compliment, that Banquet gets held to a different set of moral standards than, than other, other people. Uh, and, and that was, a, that was both a, a compliment and also like quite hard to take at the same time when a, a band who would sell out uh, X venue in Kingston wouldn't because every post was a, a negative thing and in the end you end up not wanting to talk about it, not wanting to post about it. Um, I always, I believe, I believe in, in the war on this, but I'm not sure if, if it was the right battle in, within yeah, that war. Yeah. Like, of, of course, equality and people's rights are obviously fundamentally important um, it was my view that the gigs we were doing weren't contributing to or weren't significantly contributing to a, a culture where that wasn't the case and I, in some cases I welcomed that people were talking about these issues and were, were, were raising them but uh, I don't know, in short probably got a few things wrong but not everything that we've been accused of getting wrong will I believe that was wrong and uh, you, I don't know. It's the one thing that I, I don't have a, a comfortable position on. I can I can talk to you for ages about uh, why why I thought the coalition wasn't wrong, or yeah. why or why or why Brexit is, is is stupid, or all of these things. But on this one question, I just don't know how I feel about it, any of it. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I think um, that's a, it's, it seems like a, a full stop. Um, so, like like you said, um, I guess, like, touched on there. Like, how is... Um, so, I guess, like, the people, a lot of your peers that you work with and, like, um, a lot of the, the, like, people that you see, and then in the last few years, you're, like, um, like, throw, like you've jumped into, I don't know, uh, politics. Is, is that quite a culture shock? And the people that you're interacting with not not really i think it, i think there's quite a lot of things which which are uh, are linked the idea of community the idea of trying to make a change yeah trying to get involved if something's not happening as you want it to happen then do your bit to change it yeah um you get exposed to a lot of DIY community but not DIY in the same sense you know the people who set up a residence association on their street and go litter pickering yeah. every third Saturday or whatever because they want to make their community better um, it's weird it's not something I knew existed <laughs> yeah. before yeah. but you know um, it is good to be part of the decision making process and I think that a lot of things that councils get wrong they get wrong because they don't understand the issues they don't understand what what you need in a gig venue 
what you need at a skate park, what you need for cycling infrastructure, what, what children's services are needed, what, what independent living for adults is, and all this stuff. And I think that it's quite a lot of work because it's quite a lot of information to read through and try and evaluate and try and come to a, a decision at the end with, with less and less money available. But I think that where I am now, that's where I can see real good yeah. comes from me and the people who are now my friends. You know, at, at first it was just like a, a bunch of liberals, do you know what I mean? And, and now it's actually, now we're running the council, it's the people who are in charge of moving this money from here to here to here and it's budgets of millions of pounds and it's quite a scary thing. Yeah. But um, regardless of, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people who won't, uh, who, who won't forgive the Lib Dems for all the bad things that they were associated with in, in coalition. But I think that if you take anything from this, it's just it's the difference that one person can make being in a in a band, being as a promoter, being in a political group, uh, in any sort of group of community, and that isn't just geographical. That's any community. You get involved, and the, you will make a difference. And the difference you make is it's like a multiplicative effect. And people pick up. They see your vibe. They see what you're doing. They get encouraged, and they give it a go as well. Yeah. And it, it, be that politics, or be that just going to a gig, talking to the talking to the person at the gig and saying hey I like your music I don't have enough money to buy your album now but I, I rated it just caring about where your money goes and where yeah. your time goes and people pick up on that and you can make a positive difference without having to run everything yeah yeah and did you think that that um, is some do you think that like what you're doing now with everything is is what do you think that that would always been or is that direct not directly but is that a huge part of you know like um these bands that you said you were seeing when you were younger, like even like um, sometimes it makes me laugh when I think like, I guess like, I believe that one of your favourite bands, Capitalist Downfall. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now as a, a politician, um, politician, uh, councillor. Yeah, both, I, I, both. You the, can have both. They're the yeah. same fit. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, is, is, that, is that a traje trajectory? Like, is that a reason? Or is it just that people getting up there saying things because they believe it can change is just the same thing as what you've been trying to do? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's so many things that are, are common and I, I think I've always, I've always identified as uh, not a Tory. And because of that, I, I thought that I was a socialist. Okay. <laughs> Which um, I'm not. And, I, and in fact, I don't, I don't really believe in socialism and and I don't believe in capitalism and and, and so this and it's it, it's it's somewhere in the middle and it, and and you know I think we we spend too much too much time looking at this sort of left right fiscal axis in politics when there's lots of other axes to look at as well but the thing is that wherever you are on this left-right axis, you can still do so much good for your community and still try and represent people and still try and pick up people when they've fallen over and try and uh, give a voice to people who don't have one. Um, and I think that that's... Bands who have a political message, and that can be propaganda, it can be capped down, it can be like it can be smashing properly itself, and, and like all, or bands newer to today... And I will say, the 1975, who have a, a, a social commentary message, which I think is quite easy to dismiss, but actually, um, love it if we made it, like the things it's, it's talking about in, in society in 2018, I think these are real valid things to make people think about issues and question themselves and question others. And then what you do with this newfound information and your, your newfound uh, viewpoint about things is, is down to you. And there'll be... There'll be people who are trying to improve their community in loads of different ways, and I'm I'm just lucky that uh, the party that I always voted for in Kingston asked me to join them, and I did. And then six weeks later, there was a by-election, and I I, yeah. I fell into place. I don't. It was never a plan, but now we're part of the the team who runs the council, and it's a uh, it's quite a responsibility. I don't know where things will go in the future. Is a uh, I ain't got any more time to give to it because the, the shop takes so much time and business take, um, council takes up so much time. But if the shop wasn't here, there's, there's certainly a, a career path there. But it's not about a career. It's just about 
where can you do the most good for your community? And at the moment, I feel the most good we can do for the community is to put on bands and provide a, a, yeah, a, yeah. a shop and an entity which wouldn't exist otherwise. Yeah, which is interesting. I we could probably wrap it there, but in like, um, yeah, like what you're saying... I'll, I'll join you for the politics one uh, in, in a <laughs> yeah. year's time. Yeah, but yeah, I guess like in both, like where are we going to be in a year's time when it comes with politics and... Um, where are we going to be in a year's time with with a record store? Yeah, both um, everyone's got an opinion, but no one really knows, do they? No, but the one thing that I'm confident of is that, that both things will 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 continue to evolve, and people will want to have physical yeah. music because they'll turn their back on this immediate consumerism society, and people will always care about the political world because it kept, it matters to you on an ethical level and also a practical level of yeah. how you live your life. So. Wherever it is, just think about the effect that everything, all your actions are having and uh, just try and do your bit. Cool. Cheers, John. Nice one. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Perfect. Very sincere. Thank you. That felt real. (laughs) 